This is Matt Hurt at Obsessive Viewer on Twitter with a special uh, edition of the Obsessive Viewer podcast from ObsessiveViewer.com. Welcome to The Obsessive Viewer. We're a weekly movie and TV podcast that covers a specific topic, be it genre, trope, movie, or show, every episode. You can find back episodes at ovpodcast.com and find the blog at obsessiveviewer.com and also check out the subreddit at r slash obsessiveviewer. And I'm here today, it's just just me on the podcast, and I have a special guest, uh, Kate Chaplin from Kate's Take and Karmic Courage and a bunch of stuff. Uh, how's it going? <laughs> it's going good. Yes, I do a bunch of stuff. <laughs> yes, yes. I like to stay creative. I just can't help it. <laughs> right. I, I know the feeling. I definitely know the feeling. Um, I, we met you at Starbase Indie uh, yes. at the end of our uh, summer 2015 panel uh pre-panel thing um and like ever since then i we we exchanged uh information for for podcasts and stuff and i've been listening to your podcasts like pretty pretty regularly oh thank you yeah I listen to you guys too oh nice <laughs> <laughs> like i've actually i've actually listened to all but two of your episodes and i with good reason because uh Ro- the the second Rocky episode, your guys' uh, analysis of the first the first three in that first one, yeah, were like really like like they made me want to rewatch the franchise and oh, so yeah. yeah. And then I, I haven't then. <laughs> yeah yeah. And then uh, and then I haven't listened to the ET one because I haven't seen that movie in in years. So it's terrifying. That is that was the scariest episode for me to do <laughs> and to rewatch. And I'm just that's my Exorcist. That's my Vietnam is ET. <laughs> It just scares the crap out of me. But, you know, doing too many panels and, uh, you know, too many shows saying, no, E.T. is the scariest movie alive. People want proof. Yeah. <laughs> so that... I have to do the show to explain why I'm chicken. Right. That's how that's how my uh, my co-host Tiny is. He like he watched uh, E.T. when he was a kid. And like that just completely ruined like any type of alien anything for him. It messes um, you up. That stuff's in your nightmares. <laughs> so, you recent like, like I said, you're you're you've got a lot of irons in the fire. Um, because you never know which one's gonna hit, and like I said, I just like being creative. So, that's the smart <laughs> way to go about it. Yeah, it me. It, I I just follow my bliss. Nice. Follow my bliss. Follow my joy, and you know, <laughs> just uh, keep rocking things and see what people dig. Nice. Well, uh, so there's a bunch of there's a bunch of different things that I can that I can throw at you to 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 ask you about. But um, for our listeners, let's just talk about Kate's take for for starters, and uh, just tell tell us what it is, and um, you know, tell our listeners what Kate's take is all about. Oh yeah. Well, it's a it's now a weekly podcast. It started with mm-hmm. a monthly podcast, um, and what I do is I I take a movie. Uh, that has inspired my life or, well, really inspired it for good, bad, or ugly, I say, because E.T. was for the ugly. Um, <laughs> and I just talk about it and I dissect it and I'll bring in behind the scenes stuff, trivia stuff, uh, fan theories. I mean, when we did Fight Club, we even went into the fan theories that all the characters are in Jack's head. So um, and it's really fun. And my co-host is Will Derringer. Um, he runs the D20 Crit Network and he asked me if I would be interested in doing a show. And Kate's Take is actually based on a book that I had been working on for like nice. five years and never finishing. Um, <laughs> and the book is called I Blame Lucas. I mean, I will eventually finish it. Um, but it, it's the same thing as the show. It's my life told through the movies that I saw at that particular time and what the influences were. Um, and I'm like, well, we could do this as a show. <laughs> and then I figured, you know, three people would listen, two would be family members, and it'd just be something fun for a month that I could do. Uh, and then all of a sudden, I was one of the highest rated shows, and Will's like, uh, we kind of have to do this weekly now because <laughs> you have a lot of people listening. And I'm like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> Very nice. So, I had to have a come to Jesus moment and figure out, do I have enough content? And, uh, yeah, I have enough content. Um, (laughs) I have enough movies that I've seen that I can talk about and inspire other people. And, but I mean, the whole core of the, of the Kate's take show is that I'm not the only one that watches movies these way, this way. Mm -hmm. And so 
it's a it's a way to show that movies are more based on your experiences that going into the movie than the movie itself. So by relating and giving that permission of what experiences have you had that relate to this movie and what can you draw out of it and what can you learn from it, movies change your whole perspective on things. And so it's just teaching people how to kind of watch movies and let them fulfill your life and let them inspire your life to where you want to go. So that's the that's the essence of Kate's Day. And we also do like fun things like Oscar specials oh, yeah. where we pick the we pick what's going to win. We are so wrong. Uh, we really failed on that. We also do every now and again, like what you watching, you know, mm-hmm. just like kind of like a recap of this is what I watched this month. I would never do a whole episode on it, but I watched this. <laughs> <laughs> right. And I think that's kind of. That that kind of the the elevator pitch of it of being about how movies affect you personally that's kind of what draws me to it because like when like when I started Obsessive Viewer it kind of I I went in with the expectation of okay this is going to be just how I feel about movies and it's not I mean I'm I don't want to be just like any other like you know just critic of a movie and and critiquing things. I want it to be about my personal feelings. And that's kind of one of the big things that I bring into the show is it's, it's, I don't consider us professional film critics or anything, but we're critic, we're critics who, who used our opinions of movies based on our personal experiences to, to do that. So, your that's, movie lovers that's the thing oh yeah i mean that always comes across in the show is that you guys love movies so that every movie that you see you're like i want to love this one too and some of them are just hard to love right <laughs> yeah yeah we had a big big thing with interstellar that i i really oh. wanted to love it but i i, oh, I couldn't either i couldn't love it yeah i, just I was like i tried man <laughs> i really tried oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> so so D twenty crit. Let's let's talk about that exactly. Like, what all is does that encompass, and what what is? How did you get involved with with uh, with them? Yep, or did uh, you? They, yeah, they. Uh, it's, it's such a weird story. It's one of those things that um, they had a couple of shows. I think they had like three different shows. Demoralizing shout. A bit of geek and nerdery was their main staple. And uh, Gen Con was coming up, and so mm-hmm. they wanted to interview somebody that was kind of related to, to Gen Con. And Sean, Sean Woods, is one of the co-hosts of A Bit, bit of Geek and Nerdery. Him and I have a mutual friend, Chuck Boudreau, mm-hmm. um, who runs the film festival film track. And Chuck said, you got to get a hold of Kate. She'd love to be on a show because I'm talking to him. <laughs> uh, so... Yeah, so that happened. So then Sean's like, hey, Chuck said I should contact you to be on a bit of Geek and Nerdery. So I did, and we had so much fun. And because uh, of the two co-hosts of a bit of Geek and Nerdery, Sean is in Indiana, like I am, Mm -hmm. and Will is in Minnesota. So when Gen Con was coming up, Sean's like, can I have Kate? Can I borrow Kate? (laughs) So I basically was like the, you know, in-house correspondent with Sean for a bit of Geek and Nerdery and just having fun with it of recording interviews and getting all the bits of Geek and Nerdery. Um, So apparently I was like the – Kate's Take was the third or fourth show on the network, which I didn't – I didn't realize at the time because they were talking about a lot of shows. Mm-hmm. Now there is over 20 different podcasts on the D20 Crit Network. Uh, everything from uh, Heroes of the Storm, World of Warcraft, you know, hardcore gaming related to they have like Geek or Die, Kate's Take, which is about movies. They have articles. I mean, it's uh, it's anything you geek out about. It's really kind of <laughs> neat. And it just exploded this year. So Very <laughs> cool. Nice. Well, congratulations on, on you know, getting involved with that and, and starting Kate's take and everything. Total um, accident. Like <laughs> just right play. Like I answered an email. I mean, really <laughs> not a lot of conniving on my part or anything like that. I just, I was like, sure, <laughs> sure, sure. Um, but you also are a filmmaker. Uh, that's, yep. that's kind of that's your main uh, job. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, uh, and you just, you just wrapped filming wigged out. Is that correct? Yeah, Wigged Out, a teen feature film. Uh, we wrapped, oh gosh, is it two weeks now? It might be three weeks. I don't know. I'm still not totally <laughs> rested. Uh, but we did a 15-day uh, uh, shoot, um, mostly in Noblesville, Indiana. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's a great movie. I, it, it was one of those things where uh, the day we wrapped, I was exhausted but yet I still had energy. It was really actually quite nice, actually, <laughs> because I had 
one day off and then I had four days of Gen Con to do. Oh, (laughs) wow. Wow. It was a tough turnaround, but Mm -hmm. we finished the movie and I was just really proud of it. Um, it's, uh, it's, it was a project that was brought to me, uh, by Sandy Russ. Sandy Russ, um, had a script, uh, that was basically about a teenager that has alopecia. Now, alopecia mm-hmm. is a uh, immune disorder where you can't grow hair. Uh, the ba- your immune system thinks that hair follicles are some kind of danger, and it attacks <laughs> them, and you just don't grow hair. Oof. So uh, the idea of the movie is that this girl who has alopecia, her mom is an ex-beauty queen and signs her up for a beauty pageant. <laughs> and hilarity ensues. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, definitions about what is beauty and how is beauty rated and self-esteem and self-worth. And I have two young daughters and I make films about strong and flawed female characters. And here Mm -hmm. was a mom and a daughter in this script. And I just really related to it and needed to tell the story. So so she produced it and I directed it. We got it done. It's in post-production. I'm excited. (laughs) Nice. That is awesome. And that sounds like such a such a great like story basically to to tell i mean that that sounds like it has a lot of uh positive themes about about especially like things like like uh like body image issues and, and things like that that's exactly. something that but teenagers what's yeah, that the, the part that i loved about it is that it isn't preaching this is just oh, a girl nice. that owns herself I mean, she's just kind of like, yeah, I'm bald. I'm great. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, there's one of my favorite lines is when her mom is squeezing her. She's like, mom, if you squeeze me any harder, I'm going to sprout hair. You know, <laughs> I mean, just the way that she makes fun of herself. Nice. Like, I know it. I own it. It's me. Get over it. I'm still wonderful. And I, I just I love that in a character. That's awesome. Um, so by her by example, then you start to look at well, how do I think about my own body image? It's not as <laughs> not as great as that girl. Wait a second. <laughs> nice. Well, that sounds awesome. Uh, so, what is so? What exactly is the next step with that? Is it is it? It's in post production. I'm sure you're going to be editing it and everything. When when it's done, are you going to like take it to festivals or or something like that? Totally. Uh, yeah, right now it is in uh, – it's being edited. The rough cut is being put together by Bobby Daly, who is also the cinematographer in the movie. Nice. Uh, he was already like – at the end of the day, he was checking the footage and he was already starting to do a rough assembly of it. And I'm like, <laughs> Bobby, do you want to edit? Do you want to? He's like, yeah. Oh, that's <laughs> so, fantastic. Uh, Bob's editing it now. It takes about six to eight weeks to do uh, a rough cut basically. Mm-hmm. Then it comes back to me and then I look at it and then we tweak it and then it goes off to sound and picture and uh, tel- uh, color and title graphics and it takes a while. So it takes like six to nine months to go through all the different post-production processes. Um, after that, yeah, film festivals, uh, VOD, trying to get traditional distribution is mm-hmm. a possibility. But you know, uh, my producer, Sandy, she has a lot of ties with the alopecia community. And that is, you know, our first go to um, is, uh, you know, is the people who are struggling with this and have never seen themselves in a movie before. That's so awesome. um, that's why it's kind of like, well, you know what? Staying independent might be awesome. But at the same time, uh, you know, we would love to get it out into uh, theaters and more film festivals and, mm-hmm. you know, in all the bid box stores and all that kind of good stuff. But uh, we're going to do what's right for the film. Basically, we're going to see what our options are, but we're getting it out there to the people. Let me tell you. <laughs> Very cool. That's awesome. That's something that um, seems like it would be kind of a kind of a, an, edit, an added stress to the filmmaking process is getting getting it seen, basically. Um, it's the hardest part. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing with writing, too. It's getting people to either read your book that you wrote mm-hmm. or getting people to watch the movie that you made. Or if you're a podcaster, get them to listen to the show that you recorded. Oh, yeah. Why is <laughs> the hardest part? It really is. But that's the nature of it. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's cool. I'm, I'm really excited to eventually see it because it sounds it sounds like a great movie. Um, and you've had you've had you have about you have a vast career of, of, of filmmaking. Oh, yeah. Uh, um, Wigged Out is my 18th movie. Nice. Wow. So yeah, I've been hitting this since uh, 2005 is when I actually kind of like kicked myself in the butt and said, mm-hmm. hey, stop talking about making movies and start making them. <laughs> uh, so shorts, music videos, uh, nice. commercials and films. Yeah. 18. Jeez. That's yeah. That's I applaud you for for that. That's that's really impressive. Um, it's. I like doing it, and mm. it's one of those things where it's like, you know, uh, a filmmaker makes films, so keep making them. You know, I'm not Terrence Malick. I don't make one every five, ten, right. fifteen years. Yeah. <laughs> I have that <laughs> so, 
I gotta make the ones that I can make. And a lot of them were like made for no money, 200 Mm -hmm. bucks, you know, uh, use the resources that we had and we just made something. So I'm proud of every single one of them. I learned something from every single one of them. The more you do, the better you get at it. So that was my idea of make as many projects as I can to learn something. Mm -hmm. Right. Nice. So what was the, what was the impetus that, that got you to, to jump into it and and do it? What was like the final push that made you, think stop talking about it and just do it <laughs> it was actually it was the birth of my uh my first daughter oh nice uh, what it was um uh in the hospital room you know my dad my dad and my mom came to visit and my dad's like holding up my baby girl and he just said he was like kind of talking to himself and he said i wonder what she'll be and i didn't like it was like a knee-jerk reaction i said she'll be whatever she wants to be in this world and then i realized how am i going to teach her uh, how to be anything she wants in this world if I'm not doing that. If I'm saying I want to be a filmmaker, but yet I'm not doing anything, how could I teach her by example? That was my kick in the pants. That was wow. like, you know, for no other reason, if I'm going to tell her to fight for her dreams, I have to fight for mine uh, and be that example. And that's what I've been doing ever since. Nice. <laughs> I, I blame them and I love them for that. I have two daughters. <laughs> It's the same thing. It's like, you know, oh, why are you gone making a movie? Because I love it and I've always wanted to do this and I'll be back and I will help you fight for your dream, whatever that is. <laughs> that is that is a great like that's a great reason. That's I mean, that's as good a good as a uh, good a reason as any to just jump into it and and do it. And it's too. That's the thing. You know what I mean? It's that's the I've always wanted to make a movie before I was, you know, enter age here. Yeah, you pass that age eventually. But, yeah. you know, doing it for your kids, though, to have those little eyeballs watching you. <laughs> <laughs> it's really it's a very strong motivation because they will catch me on it, too. Mommy, you haven't made a movie in a while. <laughs> <laughs> while you've been working on writing, you should make a movie. I'm telling you, it's good and it's bad. <laughs> <laughs> they definitely uh, they definitely have the you have you have your own uh 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 they they keep you on track with it it sounds like it they're beautiful terrorists (laughs) (laughs) nice i adore Um, them (laughs) that's awesome um so how do you feel like as a filmmaker in indianapolis and in indiana the surrounding indianapolis area uh how do you feel about the lack of like like tax incentives for filmmakers to like like uh a lack of a film presence in indiana because i know that's kind of a big a big thing right now is that indiana has no like every like the surrounding area is getting these tax breaks for filmmakers to shoot films in indiana and we are just left in the dust how do you feel about that we don't have one anymore well i've been on it's one of those things i've been on both sides of it Mm -hmm. uh because i've worked in states that have them but here's my thing it doesn't affect me the the movies that i make are nowhere near to the the speculate the limits because you have to make a certain amount uh your your movie that you make to get the tax incentive needs to be a certain dollar amount and each state is different that's why i'm not mentioning a dollar amount because indiana a doesn't have a tax incentive and b (laughs) (laughs) different states are different so sometimes you have to spend fifty thousand dollars on a short film to get a tax initiative why would i do that Right. Why would I do that? Sometimes you have to spend $250,000 on a feature film to get a text. Why would Jeez. I do that? So that's why it doesn't affect me mm-hmm. um, in that sense of fighting for the tax initiative. Now, who right. it does help, though, is those who do freelance. So if you are a cinematographer, if you are an actor, if you are a grip, then it brings jobs to the state. Mm-hmm. So you can stay in the state that you live and work on freelance projects. I don't really freelance anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I, I may, I'm too busy making my own material, the right. stuff that I really want to see and get it out uh, into the world. So that's why it's like, yeah, it would be great for the community, mm-hmm. but personally, it doesn't affect me either way uh, because I can make the movies that I want to make. Nothing is stopping me from making the movies that I want to make, and so I'm just going to keep doing it. <laughs> nice. That's a nice. Uh, that's a nice attitude to have about it too, because you know you could see people being like, well. Why, why do, why do anything creative when there's not, uh, like people might, might hide behind the fact that there might not be a presence 
presence right. in, in their area and everything. I know I've used that excuse in the past before. Yeah, I'm just like, well, then create one. You're good. I mean, you can lift a rock and say anybody want to make a movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. They don't have any experience, but they'll be like, yes, I'm so excited. Let's do this. I mean, <laughs> we live in a state, you know, Indiana is a state where you say I'm making a movie and people get excited. Mm-hmm. L.A., New York, you say you're making a movie. They say, how much you paying me? You right. Know, it's different. <laughs> Enjoy it. It's great. Yeah. Um, have you gone to like like uh, I've I've talked about this on the podcast before, but the last uh, what was it two weeks ago? Um, Indie Film Fest was here, and yes. yeah, during Con. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Like, All right, then my decision has been made because I was recording four shows or three shows at Gen Con. So jeez. <laughs> yeah, so I miss it. I have shown at Indie Film Fest. Nice. I love Indie Film Fest. Um, and I, I just didn't have a film particularly this year <laughs> to, to submit it and to get it in. Ezekiel's Landing, I don't think it was done in time for uh. the submission date to then, uh, be shown a couple weeks ago. Um, but I love film festivals like Indie Film Fest and Heartland Film Festival up north, South Bend has the Riverbend Film Festival. That's right. Um, <laughs> I love film festivals and I love the filmmakers that it brings into town mm-hmm. and the programs that they that they show. I just couldn't go this year. <laughs> <laughs> I uh this was my first like experience with with like a film festival. Um and I I, <laughs> I didn't think about it until like the last minute so I was like I didn't I didn't have like the money or anything to get like an all access pass. So like Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I just went and I just I saw like nine movies throughout the 10 days. And like, just paid for each individual one, <laughs> but probably would have been cheaper to get a pass. Yeah, yeah, probably. <laughs> and, However, and yeah, but it, it's learned. but it was such an awesome experience, and I'm I'm really looking forward to doing more things like that. Um, yeah. Oh, um, believe it or not, when I first moved to the state, um, I was starting to get into filmmaking. I was starting to figure out like, oh, how do I build my network and how do I meet people? One of the first things that I did was volunteer at the Indie Film Festival. Oh, nice. Uh, it was run by Brian Owens at the time. And it was relatively, I mean, it was, wasn't new, but it was still like building and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I was a volunteer. I did like 60 hours of volunteer work and I met with filmmakers and I met with the people who came to the movie. And I'm like, you know, just as the, the filmmaker in me is like, I wonder why they came to see this movie. I wonder why they're excited about this one talking to the festival director why did you pick this one just having that like inside track oh, yeah. uh, really really helped me as a filmmaker to see what side of the film festival world um i would know later when i would have a film to submit <laughs> nice that's smart i like that yeah, a little embedded journalism i guess oh it's yeah the journalism part. <laughs> <laughs> well you had a front row seat um yes exactly yeah <laughs> and tired tired feet but it's okay <laughs> it was right. only like nine days but it was great <laughs> yeah um you mentioned ezekiel's landing and that is a film that you did you produce that or did you write and direct it too i'm the executive producer i'm okay. the head cheerleader uh james trickle is the uh director and writer uh of that one nice. he came to me with the script he he had made a whole bunch of short films in a very quick amount of time. It was great. Um, he's like, you know, but they're short films and I'm trying to get this feature and it has a strong female character and I'm very out there about strong female characters. And so right. uh, really he wanted to, to work together to, you know, to use my fan base. Um, and I approved the story. I loved the story. It was absolutely great. So head cheerleader on Ezekiel's Landing, which is now on uh, VHX. I keep wanting to say VHS, by right. the way. I'm old, Uh, but it's only five bucks and you Mm -hmm. can download it and be on all your stuff. And I'm so proud of this freaking movie. Uh, Labor of love. It took us like nine months to make this movie film in uh, every other weekend. Some weekends I was there. Some weekends I was at film festivals. Uh, Some weekends I brought Russ Krispie treats. The ones I didn't, I heard the cast and crew cried. (laughs) They they really got addicted to Rice Krispie treats during this movie. Let me tell you like, uh, like dangerously so. <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, who wouldn't uh, get addicted to them? <laughs> I guess. I guess. But then, like, they kept talking about it. I'm like, dude, my my neighbor Katie, she makes them better. So I had her come over. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And they're like, oh my god, we love Katie. And I'm like, Katie, run, run. <laughs> <laughs> they're going to now hound you. <laughs> nice. So, uh, just Ezekiel's Landing. You guys had a uh, had a, a screening of it or a premiere of it at. The Irving last year? Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. yeah we did. 
for uh, our big premiere at the at the Irving Theater, nice. uh, which is in Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. I love that place. Oh, it's just, me too. It's so old school. It's haunted. <laughs> I mean, yeah. It, yeah, there's so many stories about the Irving, and they're just so independent friendly, mm-hmm. and it just feels like great independent uh, venue to kind of uh, embrace and locally owned. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. So uh, it's not like some big theater chain is getting independent money. It stays in the community. So we had a great premiere, a great nice. showing, a lot of fun stuff. <laughs> uh, and so it's just, it's been making the film festival circuits and all that good stuff. It made a uh, Gen Con. It showed at Gen Con, which was wonderful. Nice. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's making out there. It's starting to get reviews now, uh, which cool. is exciting. <laughs> And terrifying at the same time, but right. luckily, this is mostly the one that they're mentioning, and I'm like, woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> nice. I, uh, yeah, every every now and then I'll go on iTunes and I'll check the reviews for Obsessive Viewer, and then I'll think, like, I'll try to click, I'll, like, I'll, I'll think about clicking, like, sort by most, re- most recent, yeah, just to see the latest ones, and I'm like, do I want to do that or not? Like, but, right. yeah. I have to make a show, so it's like, <laughs> exactly. Do I want- listen (laughs) (laughs) right um it's really but at the same time you do grow by getting critique oh yeah Uh, the the heart though is when it's like an itunes reviewer (laughs) right it's not like it's a professional critic yeah yeah that's true that's true (laughs) somebody Um, like they got too many good reviews i'm gonna spoil this (laughs) (laughs) right and like with uh with especially with like movie podcasts what i've been doing lately is i've been going to some of the ones that i listen to like regularly and uh i've i've gone to their most critical reviews and just to read what people say about them yeah and it's it's terrifying because so many of them are like no they trash this movie so i'm giving them one star and i'm like that's that's not that's not it's not yeah it's not about how they critique the show or how right then it's just personal. They didn't like my favorite movie. Uh, thumbs down. Exactly. <laughs> so yeah. But can read that comment and they can judge for themselves. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing like Facebook comments. Oh like, yeah. Dude, I've many many a war where like there's two people hashing it out on my freaking page, <laughs> uh, and I'm like going, I'm not getting into it because it's pretty obvious <laughs> y'all are digging a hole and I don't need to intervene. Yeah. <laughs> Grown adults. <laughs> It's just it's it's people watching in the digital age really. Um and it's real Yeah. Sometimes. Oh oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> just sit back and eat some popcorn and watch the comments roll in. Um yeah, but they get out of hand. Well, not always. <laughs> right, right. Sometimes you come back like an hour later and you're like, "What did you do?" <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Did quickly are dead now. No, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but uh so uh, yeah, so so Karmic Courage is is your production company name, correct? So yes, Car- Courage Production, same initials as my name. <laughs> wow, sorry. I did not put that together. <laughs> Kate Chaplin, Karmic Courage, total accident was not on purpose. Ah, uh, okay. <laughs> uh, so what all like is that just the? Did that just start like as soon as you started? filmmaking or is it something that yes because film festivals ask for uh what's the production company name hmm. so that's kind of where you kind of have to determine right away you know what's the production company name and whenever you go to film festivals it's on your badge i mean you go to gen con you go to any film festival it'll say you know kate chaplin with karmic courage productions and you got business cards so it mm-hmm. wants to say production company name so uh i chose karmic courage um because i well i'm buddhist so i believe in karma and the whole essence of it was I wanted to make good movies, and that's in finger quotes because it's subjective. Right, right. <laughs> good movies is different from everybody else, and it doesn't matter. <laughs> but whatever I deem is a good movie, to put those out into the universe so that more good movies come into my life. Nice. That was the idea. Uh, and then just to have the courage to do that, to say, hey, this movie is something that I would watch, that I would enjoy, and I'm going to put it out there into the world and have the courage to do that. So it, hence – that's the name of uh, Kermit Courage. And apparently I have some kind of accent. People think I say Kermit. <laughs> like, that is even better. Kermit Courage. Kermit Courage. I like that. Um, it's trademarked violation of some kind. But... Well, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, I, haven't, I haven't thought that when I've heard it, but now from now on I will hear that when I, when I hear you say that. Um, so as far as, as far as movies coming your way, like good movies coming your way, what is – um on the docket for the for Kate's take in the coming weeks. 
ooh, in the coming weeks, uh, we are kind of in a female filmmaker focus. Uh, the last episode that just got released uh, yesterday, I think, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> was uh, the female filmmakers panel that I recorded at Gen Con, mm-hmm. which was awesome. Uh, we're going to follow that up with Whale Rider and A League of Their Own. These are nice. two that really, like, A League of Their Own, it was Penny Marshall. And mm-hmm. it was the first time I really saw interviews with a female director promoting her movie. Uh, she was on, you know, Entertainment Tonight and all that stuff. And so it was the first time I was really seeing a female director promoting her movie and talking about the importance of female voices. So that was a huge influence. And then Whale Rider I saw when I didn't know if I could be a filmmaker or not. I was kind of uh-huh. given up. I had lived in L.A., and I was ready to just kind of like, oh, forget it. It's a dream. Who cares? I'm going to just do something else. I'll get a nine to five at McDonald's. I don't care. Mm-hmm. I saw Will. And that really kicked myself. Uh, it kind of like planted that seed of, well, don't tell me I can't. Because I was told you can't, you shouldn't uh, quite a bit growing up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Filmmaking thing. <laughs> so Will Ryder really kind of spoke to me. So those are the two that are coming up this month. But uh, we've got, we're going to do a theme on books. So we're going to do like To Kill a Mockingbird, Field nice. of Dreams. So we've got those coming up. We've got, uh, oh my gosh, we've also got Star Wars coming up. <laughs> I mean, we're going to cover all the Star Wars. Oh, that's fantastic. Star Wars movie. So, nice. And those are going to be some fun episodes. Because <laughs> I have a lot of blaming Lucas that I do in my life. <laughs> I, I'm very eager to hear those. Because I'm, like, I, I, I'm not... A, a a fan a fanatic for Star Wars the way that yeah I just grew up with it I mean yeah. it, it was childhood <laughs> right right yeah. but like I I saw them a little late and and I kind of have I saw them with more of a critical eye than than as than just a a kid watching a movie right yeah yeah and that was it was kind of like I've been trying real hard to get into them but I mean a couple of them are not that good <laughs> a few of them. Sorry. Story. Yeah. But <laughs> that's why when people are like, oh, George Lucas is the best storyteller of our time, I'm like, hold on. Yeah. Pump the brakes the one there. That's really good was written by Lawrence Kasdan. All right. <laughs> so the right. other one was Irving Kushner. So let's just give credit where credit's due. Right. <laughs> I will say, though, that, that A New Hope is like one of the best paced movies I've ever seen, really. It's slow, though. It's 70s slow. Like, it is a good 30 minutes before we meet Luke Skywalker. That's insane. Yeah, <laughs> that, I guess that's true. Huh. <laughs> like, who's your hero? Luke Skywalker. When do I see him? Wait a half hour. I mean, like, <laughs> you don't get to do that anymore. <laughs> that's interesting. I've, you know, I've always kind of just seen it as I, I've never really noticed that. I, I just feel like it flows like just really the way it's structured is just really it, it just flies by. I've never really connected that. Hmm. Um, yeah. 70s storytelling. <laughs> <laughs> I do want to mention, by the way, uh, uh, the Kate's Take episode, the the Avengers in Reverse. That was that was really awesome because, and and I feel like the the kind of the description of of Kate's Take being about you, how movies personally affect you and everything is that's great, that's accurate and everything. But also one of the things that I get out of it a lot as well is how you incorporate your storytelling and your filmmaking like mind to the movies and and the Avengers in reverse was a good deconstruction of that like I loved I loved hearing it being deconstructed story-wise I thought that that was a really clever uh way to look at a film and I really liked it I well it was we were doing Marvel month because Mm -hmm. I wanted to cover Captain America (laughs) Really, that was my that was my way of doing it. I'm like, mm-hmm. I just want to talk about Cap. Uh, also, it was Marvel Month. But it, it was one of those things where it's like, all right, if we're doing Marvel Month, we probably should talk about Avengers. Now, Avengers did not change my life. <laughs> <laughs> it was fun. I had a good time in the theater. End of story. Not mm-hmm. much to cover. So it was one of those things where I'm like, I want to cover Avengers. And I, I would get into, at conventions... These uh, theories where people would say, oh, well, the Avengers is about Iron Man. The Avengers is about Cap. And I'm like, hold on. Check out the end of the movie. The end of the movie says that it's about Nick Fury assembling a team of (laughs) Avengers. The movie's all about Nick Fury. And they're like, no, 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 no. And I'm like, damn it. So, like, (laughs) I had to, like, prove this theory kind of to the void, really. Uh, (laughs) Because movies told backwards are, like, the 
best freaking movies. And mm -hmm. to be able to then see any movie and look at the ending, does the ending work backwards? That's how you know you've got a really great constructed movie. It's kind of like a litmus test. Yeah. And so I wanted to give people the skills. And you ha <laughs> whenever you do that, you have to do it in a movie that almost everybody's seen. Right. <laughs> Otherwise, it doesn't work. Yeah. Like oh, the yeah. first example I was taught of the backwards storytelling was Training Day. Oh. I had never seen Training Day when I was told this theory. So I'm like going, um, what? I don't know these characters. I, I had later seen Training Day, so it made sense. But when you tell a backwards storytelling, you've got to tell it with a movie everybody knew. And right. I figured Avengers was the way to do it. Oh, yeah. That was really – that was just something I had never really seen in, in terms of uh, film analysis. So I, I really liked it in terms of uh, picking apart the storytelling. Um yeah. It's too fun. I don't know if we'll do another one. I think I'll just be like, listen to the Avengers one. We rocked it. <laughs> right. Right. One and done. Maybe Memento. Maybe Memento. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be an interesting that – would, that would be – it would be funny. It's like Inception. Oh, my right, God. Exactly. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, we might blow up the internet if I did <laughs> Memento storytelling backwards. Right. And it would be forward. It would just be forward. It would be linear. Um, <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, so, so I, I, I won't take a, much more of your time or anything, but, um, usually we, we just talk about, what's that? <laughs> I'm having fun. Don't worry about oh, me. Nice. <laughs> uh, so to kind of, to kind of wind down, we, we normally on the, on the podcast, we do potpourri section, which for first time listeners, that's the section of the podcast where we talk about whatever we want, as long as it smells good. Uh, and that's where we just talk about anything we've watched or, or wanting to watch. So is there anything that you've watched lately that uh, that you would want to talk about that isn't going to impede on your future podcasting? Oh, yeah, I know, right? Yeah. Uh, well, actually, yeah. The, the I just finished watching Lost for the first time, the entire TV series. Oh. And because they just talk about TV on Kate's take. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> it's totally I I never watched it. Uh, when it originally came out. Um, and I made a movie called Loss, L-O-S-S. -S. Right. <laughs> People thought it was the TV show by J.J. Abrams. And I'm like, <laughs> I didn't make that show. Thanks, guys. I think it got into more film festivals and I got into more press because they thought I made that. <laughs> didn't make it. Right. So, but it, it, there was this love hate where it's like, no, I'm not freaking that TV show about a plane crash, whatever, blah. <laughs> And I watched a documentary called Showrunners on mm -hmm. Netflix, and they talked to the, you know, the showrunners of Lost. And I just, I liked how they talked. I liked what they were focused on with the show and what they wanted to accomplish. And I'm like going, oh, let me check out an episode so I can say that I saw a episode of Lost. Famous well, last words. Six <laughs> seasons later. <laughs> I have watched every single one of them. Wow. So, I can't believe I missed the show. I probably would if it was every week. I probably mm -hmm. would have stopped watching it. Yeah, but because I binge it. Oh, I loved it. I have so many questions for you because because <laughs> Lost okay. is like like right now in my apartment. I'm looking at a uh, a big box that's shaped like uh or it's not really shaped like the island, but it's it's a bo It's the Blu-ray set that yes. is uh that's like the limited edition Blu-ray set that came out like right after. I'm a huge Lost fanatic. Oh. Uh, man. Yeah, I watched uh, I watched week to week starting with the season two premiere because I bought the season one DVD like the day it came out and binge watched okay. that and then so I watched week to week and I'm very curious and yeah we won't we can't go into spoilers but like the show has been out for a long time <laughs> right. okay when, fair enough ended in like 2007 2006. Uh, 2009, Anything, 2010. We're totally fine. Yeah. If you okay. haven't watched it, your own problem. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, we can so talk we, about spoilers kind of at the uh, end. I'll I'll cut it separately. But um, how did you how did how did you feel about the show overall when when watching it in that kind of bubble of of binge watching? And did you go into it with any kind of expectations or any knowledge of the plot or characters? Sorry. Okay, so I knew it was about a plane crash, and they were stranded on an island. And I'm like, how did this last six seasons? I Seriously, <laughs> that, was my, that was my initial going in. Because I would see the commercials. I'd be like, how is this show still on the air? They're on an island. What is this, Gilligan's Island? Like, I don't get it. It's boring. And then I watched it. <laughs> and then I saw, you know, the their not past lives, but you know what I mean? The lives that they had before they got on the yeah. plane. 
how they started to get interconnected, how people started going freaking crazy. <laughs> and like the, you know, the, just the relationship, the, the dynamic between the different, who do you trust? Which side are you mm. on? Uh, I mean, honestly, I still think, and my friend, uh, my co-host Will said this on our live Gen Con episode. It's really a story of backgammon. I mean, yeah. it's the white piece and the black piece, and they're playing for superiority. And I'm like, that's freaking awesome. Absolutely. There's that. There's that uh, somewhat iconic scene in the first season where uh, where Locke is. What's that? Locke is playing with Walt. Like yeah, backgammon. and he like yeah. he picks up the two pieces, and it's like one's light, one's dark, and it's like it's like that scene is like that's the that's the show, that's the series the right there. And actually, going into it, I well at probably like uh, end of season one, maybe season two. My theory was that they were all dead, and this was Walt's imagination. Hmm. Uh, I thought it was all based around Walt because Walt was on the plane with a comic book with the polar bear on it. Yeah. My visual cue. I'm like, oh, this is just all happening in Walt's head. This is a kid's, <laughs> you know, imagery. Right. <laughs> and so I was okay with that to keep watching. <laughs> nice. That would have uh, that would have pissed off a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, but it would have. I would have loved it. I would have uh-huh. defended it to the <laughs> end of the day. It was all in the kid's head. Yeah. <laughs> um, I do want to get more into t- in talking about spoilers, but I'm going to cut it to later in the ep- to after like our our outro in the episode. But before we do that, I just want to say thank you for joining joining me on this podcast, and thank you for coming on. And uh, also, why don't you tell everyone like where they can find you, where they can find your work, and uh, just everything. <laughs> like I said, okay, so all my stalkers. Uh, I'm on Facebook, uh, very creatively, Director Kate Chaplin. I'm on Twitter, even more or creatively, at Kate Chaplin. <laughs> and my website is Karmic Courage. If you spell Kermit, you'll be at the wrong place. Uh, but you can see all my work. I have a YouTube channel, uh, posters, interviews, uh, press junkets. And even on my YouTube page, I talk a lot about female directors and the importance of why we need more of them and why we need more diverse voices in cinema. And so I give those presentations at conventions and people film them and they're up on my website too <laughs> nice and i do uh i did listen to that uh filmmakers female filmmakers panel uh from the gen kind of episode that you released this week and that was really awesome that was really because i mean it's we could have talked for like three more hours <laughs> I oh and that te- that shows like you guys had so much to say and it was really informative just as, like i mean in terms of uh uh uh, gender equality behind the scenes of, of movies and stuff. That's something that's not necessarily on my radar. And I mean, right. it's and something when, that's, it's only once you experience it that you're like, Hey, that's not right. Exactly. <laughs> oh yeah. And it's, mm-hmm. it's, you're right there. There do need to be, there does need to be more diverse voices in, in cinema and, and, in and the entertainment industry as a whole. Um, yeah. So everybody wants to be able to see themselves on screen in some way, shape, or form, and that doesn't mean they all want to become actors. Right. It just means you know, my daughters were obsessed with Frozen because they saw two sisters that sometimes got along and sometimes didn't. They saw right. themselves, and that's the thing. You know what I mean? It's just being able to see yourself in a movie is so empowering, and you feel validated, and you feel like you exist. Mm-hmm. And so that's why it's important to see diversity in all. <laughs> Right, all aspects of society on in in entertainment, so we can see ourselves and feel like we exist. Absolutely, well said, well said. So, yeah, thanks again, and uh, and you you can find links to all of all of Kate's stuff in the show notes of the episode and everything. And then now we're going to talk about Lost for a little bit. Yes, <laughs> yes. So. Uh... Join the Obsessive Viewer podcast on October 16th, 2015 at the Irving Theater in Indianapolis for The Obsessive Viewer Presents Shocktober in Irvington Part 2. It's a one-night event screening of short horror films from local artists J.P. Leck and Snapshot Productions. There will be giveaways, raffles, interviews with the filmmakers, and so much more. All proceeds will go directly to the Irvington Historical Society. Go to shocktoberinirvington.com for more details and prepare to be shocked. Thank you for listening to The Obsessive Viewer, presented by obsessiveviewer.com. You can find more of our episodes at ovpodcast.com and you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast app. 
The Obsessive Viewer's theme song is An Eclipse of Events and is provided by Loud Like from their EP, Mistakes We Must Make. You can find that and more great music from them on iTunes and like their Facebook page at facebook.com slash loudlikemusic. Any and all feedback on the podcast is encouraged. You can email the hosts individually at Matt, Tiny, or Mike at obsessiveviewer.com or send an email to the podcast in general at podcast at obsessiveviewer.com. Check out the Obsessive Viewer blog at obsessiveviewer.com where we post movie and TV reviews and the occasional editorial about the business of entertainment. You can also like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the Obsessive Viewer and follow us on Twitter at Obsessive Viewer, at Obsessive Tiny, and at I am Mike White. If you want more obsessive content in your life, check out our sister site, obsessivebooknerd.com, for book reviews, author spotlights, and a general celebration of reading. Finally, if you're philosophically curious, check out Tiny's side project podcast, The Secular Perspective, which explores the concepts of faith, religion, and existence from the perspective of secular hosts. You can find that at thesecularperspective.com and subscribe to the podcast on the podcatcher of your choice. Again, thank you so much for listening. We love you. Be excellent to each other. Now we're going to talk about Lost for a little bit. Yes. <laughs> yes. So, yes. uh so just spoiler warning everyone, we're going to spoil Lost. So if you haven't watched Lost yet, uh turn off now. Exactly. Yeah, watch it as soon as you can. You should have watched it and then come back to this episode. <laughs> exactly. So we <laughs> take you like a month and a half, trust me. <laughs> yeah. So, okay, I have several 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 uh several questions to fire at you. Um okay. ready. The like Walt was definitely a central figure in the first season. How did you feel about them just dropping him? Because, I mean, yeah. he had a growth spurt. Like, he couldn't... No, right? Yeah. That's why I dropped him, because he didn't look the same. And I'm like, kids get older. Right. I don't care. <laughs> like, even when they still showed him, I'm like, yes, he got older. His mm-hmm. voice changed. I'm good with it. Yeah. Keep the character in. I loved that story. Um, and then Mercutio. Sorry, I will always call him Mercutio. I can't remember his name. <laughs> uh, Harold Perrineau? Yes, thank yeah. you. Um, Mercutio was in Romeo and Juliet, the Leonardo DiCaprio version, when right. I first saw him. And I'm like, I love this actor. And he has been Mercutio ever since. Oh, he's fantastic. He's brilliant in oh, everything. Yeah. I loved that that character of learning to be a father, of trying to be, like, I, I don't know. It was so conflicted and so ugly and pretty at the same time. Mm-hmm. Like, I just, I wanted that storyline to stay. I think they just got scared. Yeah, I think so, too. And, and it's it's tough that they couldn't uh, see see how it, uh, map it out to where I, I don't know because I mean forty like I think the first season takes place over forty four days on the island and then I it's a it's a year of filming and and everything I mean they couldn't really reconcile that with the the kid yeah. growing up but get yeah it's fine with the baby <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Right. The baby did change a couple of times, but I mean, but still, <laughs> it was okay with the baby. Right. <laughs> um, so, w- uh, what was your experience watching the uh, the season three finale when they uh, when, when they I, they all blend together? Right, right. <laughs> when they when they reveal that there's uh, the finale, the season finale, season three is their freaking place on the island. Wait, what? That, when there's a whole another island or village on the island? No, 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 no. Um, I'm, I'm jumping ahead a bit, but season three's finale is where, uh, the whole episode is from Jack's, Jack's flashbacks and everything. And he's goes yeah. to the coffin and you, by the end of it, you realize these are actually flash forwards and he meets Kate at the airport and it's the, yes. uh, yeah. How did you react to that? Cause I was totally cool with it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, like, did I it, like, did it surprise you? Cause next episode, let's do this. <laughs> yeah. See, and I envy you with that because we had to wait, like, we I had know, to right? wait several months. Like, like it, when I first saw that episode, I was like, <laughs> when I first saw that episode, I was like, I, I'm, I was so disconnected with what was going on with Jack. And then when that, fina- when that final moment happened, it was just like, my mind just exploded. And then I had to wait months before I saw anything more. Um, that's, I didn't have to. I had to wait a total of 30 seconds. Oh, I'm so jealous. <laughs> so, so the only way to watch a show now. This is what oh. I did Breaking Bad the same way. Nice. Uh, well, almost. I did. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I watched the last two seasons as they came out. 
Okay. But I had binge watched all before that. And it was killing me to wait mm-hmm. a week for the episode. So oh, yeah. now I just binge. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. That's kind of, that's, I mean, it, you're right. That is just the way to do it these days. It's because it's, it's hard. Like I just finished uh, season two of True Detective where I watched it week by week. I haven't seen that one yet. Okay. I've been told it is it's, fantastic. It's season two is not season one. Uh, season one was phenomenal. It's different. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. And, and season one was just amazing. But season two is just kind of, I feel like if I, if I revisit it later, I will get, I will get more appreciative of it. And, uh, and there was expecting it to be something else. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. But, uh, but with <laughs> lost, how did, okay. Uh, Two more, two more things, really. And then, uh, how did you feel about season five with the time travel element? How do you feel about time travel as a plot device? Also, I thought it was kind of fun. Now, I, I, it didn't feel like they're like, well, let's just see if this works. Like, it didn't feel <laughs> like it was originally, con- and I could be very well wrong. It mm-hmm. could have been from the get go uh, that it was constructed that way. It did feel like they were just like, crap, this show's taken off. We gotta like come up with something. <laughs> But I love time travel and I love the parallel universes and I love the parallel dimensions. And um, I liked the skipping record analogy. Yes. Yes. Liked it. Um, And then also because I'm Buddhist and there's I believe in reincarnation and Mm -hmm. past lives. It felt like it echoed on that. And I'm like, dude, this is like Buddhism without being Buddhism. (laughs) (laughs) Nice could explain like loss to somebody who wanted to know about buddhism in a very interesting way <laughs> so like i really i dug it because it was new mm-hmm. um but you know it, it did feel a little like right i was i was so enamored with uh with the with the uh time travel aspect of it that i forgave the kind of i i wouldn't even really say that it was really clunky per se because I'm, I'm just such a lost fanboy like they can't do anything wrong but uh walt age yeah yeah like that's the one flaw i can find in lost and but damn it puberty and not dying <laughs> exactly so like but to uh to give context to it like just Watching it week to week was kind of excruciating because you had just the fa- like this was one of the first shows that had like a, a fan base on online that just was rabid for it. Fan theories galore. Oh my god! I would watch the season and then I would Google fan theories for that season. I wouldn't mm. look ahead, but I would just like, nice. and I'm like, wow, y'all, interesting, very <laughs> intricate. And uh, and one of the things that I keep coming back to is uh anytime anytime i talk to someone about lost who 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 disagrees with the, how how it ended and everything and saying that like one of the big things that that one of my biggest pet peeves is people saying like well they didn't answer any of the questions and i was like you're not yeah, yeah yeah like i reached a point where i was like um i was like okay i can i can answer pretty much anything through context clues and and everything but but the point of the show was that it was the character's journey and and yes. if you didn't that was answered yeah yeah like the character's all wasn't satisfying to your question right <laughs> but it was answered it was a complete story it yeah. wasn't <laughs> exactly and that's why i loved the finale the finale just was such a perfect button for all the characters and it wrapped it up so well yeah for them and then i don't know i don't know if you know about this or not but there was a <laughs> on the on the blu-ray and dvd for the last season there's like this little bonus thing that's uh it's called the the uh the new man in charge oh yes yeah it's uh it's interesting it's it's a little it's a little bonus clip I have you seen it no, because I, okay. I watched it all on Netflix. Okay, I thought, Netflix, yeah. <laughs> so, so the so the new man in charge. Uh, you can probably find it on YouTube. But uh, the I'm brief summary of it. Second. Nice. <laughs> no, go ahead. <laughs> but the uh, the the kind of over overall like thing of it is that it's it's uh, it's Ben Linus t- going to uh, some some kind of like underlings that are in this warehouse for the Dharma Initiative or something. And he's basically explaining them like, oh, there's a new man in charge, meaning meaning Hurley. And then uh, he hands them a tape, and it's basically a tape, like another orientation tape, that's basically that basically just really ham-fistedly answers some of the some of the more annoying questions that that like the fans had. And I was like, this is so unnecessary. 
But it was reactionary, I'm sure. Oh, absolutely. I hate you guys. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so, so the finale gets a lot of flack because, because of that. But I, uh, And I don't know why it gets I, a lot of flack. Like I, when I said I'm watching Lost for the first time, I got a lot of, you know, oh, I'm so jealous of you. Oh, mm-hmm. to be able to, you know, enjoy it for the first time. Wait till you get to the ending. You're either going to love or hate the ending. Like, mm-hmm. that's all I knew was that people either loved or hated the ending. Oh, I'm Apparently, so jealous. It's like Sylvester Stallone's career. You either love <laughs> Rocky or you hate Saturday Night Fever. I mean, like, like you just not or stay alive. Sorry, not Saturday mm-hmm. Night Fever, the sequel. Like, you just have a 50-50 chance of whether or not it's going to be good. And I got to the ending, and I'm like, what the hell is wrong with you people? That was great. Right. It was done. How oh, yeah. else was it supposed to end? Exactly. <laughs> I, like, I, that, like, I was weeping throughout it. Like, that's how oh, much of a connection yeah. I had for it. Yeah, it was like... <laughs> It was amazing, and like I bought this, I bought the soundtrack because like Michael Giacchino's score throughout the whole series oh, yeah, is like right? absolutely beautiful, and like very, I would, oh yeah, like like back this was back when like I had an iPod and I didn't listen to music like on my phone or anything, but um, like I had the I had the way soundtrack back in the day by the way way back oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I would listen to the soundtrack like keys key. key uh, key tracks from that final se- from that series finale. Like I would listen to it on repeat, and like it was, it's, it, I don't know. That was one of the one of the few TV series finales that just really, really dug into me. Um, right. Yeah. And uh, uh, yeah, and it felt like a complete story. It really mm-hmm. did, and it also felt sentimental. Oh, like, yeah. I didn't think it would feel like how could it be sentimental? I thought it would be some amazing cliffhanger mm-hmm. that'd be like, wait, what does that mean? And then we'd all have <laughs> to figure it out for ourselves sort of thing. Right. Uh, no, I thought it was uh, it was very a satisfying ending for me. I, I dug it. I had it, all my questions answered. <laughs> very nice. That's awesome. I love hearing that because I want people to watch it like from like now and like and like have that experience without the without the kind of kind of stigma, I guess, of, of like people screaming about it on the internet in real time <laughs> um exactly. yes. yeah and I mean, people were doing that about breaking bad as oh, well yeah. so oh, yeah, yeah. Um, the part that blew my mind with lost mm-hmm. i was I, I was in i can't remember what season it was you'll probably know oh, yeah. uh, but i was getting a little bit exhausted i was i'm like going okay it feels like it's getting a little stagnant and then it was the ben linus and there's a whole nother freaking town on the next <laughs> island next door mm-hmm. and i went what <laughs> and that's when i was full steam in like oh, yeah. oh no you got me now <laughs> that was uh that was season three i, I season believe three. okay yeah. that was that was the one that yeah. i was just like okay it's game on now this whole thing <laughs> changed <Nice. laughs> that was amazing <laughs> oh yeah um yeah it it that show and it, it, what's fun about it and what's really interesting about it is if you go back and just like watch just the pilot episode again yeah like you can it's see blue. yeah uh mm-hmm. you can go back and you can see just like with with the finale and everything fresh in your mind you can see just how much these characters grew throughout the yeah. course of the series it's 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 amazing like seeing like i went back and re- revisited the pilot like uh a few months after the finale probably or a few months after rewatching the finale for the upteenth time and uh just seeing like just seeing Sawyer as the as the uh oh, yeah, right. yeah as the as the evil kind of redneck uh antagonist of the first season I, so, I have to say I wanted Sawyer to die like every single episode I'm like kill Sawyer Sawyer just die I I was on the team kill Sawyer bandwagon mm-hmm. for the longest time and, but <laughs> He was a guy that you love to hate. Like oh, yeah. he did things for himself. Like his character was great. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just I didn't like him. <laughs> right. <laughs> but he grew into someone that you that you could just genuinely root for and love. Like especially in the last could, couple seasons. I could deal with him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't trust him. <laughs> Fair enough. But I could deal with him. Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> yeah. Well, I won't. I won't. I won't eat up any more of your time. But. Uh, yeah. This, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I'll, I'll go ahead and let you go. We've been talking for about an hour now. So, uh, yeah. So, so thanks for, thanks again for coming on. This was a blast. Oh, not a problem. Uh, Anytime. I was yeah. excited to actually be on the show. <laughs> nice. Well, I mean, I did the little mini episode for the Oscars. Thing, right, right. So fun. Yeah. I loved that. That is such a great idea that you guys do with the Oscars. Uh, yeah. Different 
discussed in different sections. I thought that was fantastic. Oh, nice. Well, it was awesome having you on. And of course, we'll have you on for next year's too. Um, yeah, it's 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 a lot of fun doing that because we just reach out like we get just a, a, a nice mix of other podcasters on. And yeah. it's a it's an interesting way to just kind of because I because in in any case, doing a doing an Oscars episode is going to kind of kind of date the episode anyway. But it's an not interesting a episode at yeah, all, <laughs> right? But it's uh, but it's also something that people kind of clamor for for their for their Oscar pool, Oscar pools and stuff. So, yes. so yeah. So I'm I'm glad you had if fun you're with that podcast. And you don't talk about the Oscars, then you don't feel like you're justified. You know what I mean? Oh, exactly. If you do talk about it? You're like, oh, dude, I could have talked about something that would be timeless, <laughs> right? Instead, we're talking about how wrong I am on my picks. Oh, wait, my show. Exactly. <laughs> I like how Will on my show was just like, well, I just really like this person, so I think they're going to win. And I'm like, I wish that worked, Dorothy. <laughs> Sadly, that's how I pick most of my Oscar picks anyway, so. You know what? You might as well throw a dartboard at it. Oh, I mean, yeah. Really, at this point, you never know. Right. Right. <laughs> Uh, all right. So once again, you can find find Kate all over the internet at uh, Karmic Courage and uh, Kate's Take and all anywhere. Links in the show notes, all that stuff. So, <laughs> so Kate's stuff like will come up with way too much. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Safe <laughs> search. Safe search. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, thanks for having. Thanks for coming on, and, uh, and I'll talk to you soon. All right. Thank you, Matt. I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. 